Hey, if you listen to this podcast week after week, then you will absolutely love my books. There's Travel Light, which basically gives you all of the steps for following your heart. And then there's Knowing Where to Look, which is full of inspirational stories and anecdotes that will help you shift your perspective in the most inspiring way. And for those of you who can't seem to crack the meditation code, grab a copy of Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying, and your meditation practice will never be the same. All of those books are available on Amazon, as well as everywhere else books are sold. That's Travel Light, Knowing Where to Look, and Bliss More. All right, back to the show. I used to watch these documentaries growing up, and they would have these native people walking around with leaves and whatnot for their clothing, and they would just go out into the jungle with a spear and nothing more. And then three days later, they would come back with a whole basket full of fruit and vegetables and all kinds of other goods that they would find and harvest out in the wild. And to them, the jungle was very much like going to the mall, like how we go to the Target or go to the mall to get stuff. That's how they view nature. They go out to the jungle and they find things. They find medicinal plants and other things that you can eat, things that you could use to heal yourself. And then they come back and bring it back to the village and everybody celebrates. I'm basically like that at this point where I could just have the clothes on my back and I can go out into the world. I can travel anywhere and I don't need much. And I can come back with everything that I need and more. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Light Watkins Show with yours truly, Light Watkins. If this is your first time here, I interview ordinary people just like you and me who've taken extraordinary leaps of faith, often in the direction of their path, their purpose, or their mission. And in doing so, they've been able to positively impact the lives of many others who've either heard about their story or who witnessed them in action or who have directly benefited from their work. Today, I am doing another solo episode, which, as you may know, I do on occasion. And in today's solo episode, I'm talking about minimalism, one of my favorite topics, and how minimalism helps you to become more present and more liberated and more self-sufficient in your day-to-day life. I'm also describing an experiment that you can run starting today that will give you a taste of the liberation that you feel when living the minimalist lifestyle. And the best part is you don't have to get rid of anything in order to have the experience of minimalism. I also will show those of you who are watching this on YouTube the actual backpack that I've been living from for the past few years as well as my one pair of shoes and my shirts that I hand wash each night after wearing them. I also will go through the detailed instructions of how I hand wash my clothes in case you're in a situation where, I don't know, you're flying and your airline loses your luggage. And for whatever reason, you have to make do with the clothes on your back for a day or two. And I also talk about some of the other interesting aspects of my minimalist lifestyle and how it's evolved over the last four years, because the way it started is not the way it is right now. And of course, I've written extensively about minimalism in my upcoming book, which is called Travel Light. 
That's coming out in April of 2023. So there's a lot more to say in that book. But for now, I want to just give you a peek into the minimalist lifestyle because I think you'll get a lot from it, even if you have no desire to become a minimalist yourself. And if you choose to run the experiment that I describe in this episode and you document your experience, please make sure to tag me at Light Watkins and also hashtag travel light so I can keep up with what you guys are doing and I can see how it goes. All right. So without further ado, let us dive into this solo episode about minimalism. Hello there. Welcome to a solo episode, Just Me, Light Watkins. I am in New York right now. I'm on the road in the middle of a meditation teaching tour. I've been teaching meditation for about 15 plus years. And I stopped briefly during the pandemic and now I'm back at it. And I'm in New York right now. I was in Los Angeles teaching last week. And I'll be going to London. When this episode airs, I'll be in London. And so as some of you may know, I've been operating from a backpack for the most part for the last four years, since May 31st of 2018. And the reason I know the date is because my birthday is May 30th. And that was the day that I gave my notice, which was obviously it was a big step because that's what made the whole thing real was turning in the 30-day notice. And then the challenge or the opportunity, depending on how you want to look at it, was to get rid of all of my worldly possessions that I had been carrying around with me, everything that didn't fit into my carry-on bag. So I had gone to the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica to this luggage store, and I took the carry-on bag that I had been using, which was like a Swiss Army knife or Swiss Army carry-on bag. I filled it up with a bunch of stuff because I wanted to see how much stuff I could fit into the largest carry-on bag that would be allowed on an airplane in the overhead compartment, which turned out to be 22 inches. And so I I tried different styles, different carry-on bags in the 22-inch range to see which ones would comfortably fit the stuff that I had already had, toiletries and whatnot. And I found one. And so that became my new apartment, effectively. So that meant that everything that I was going to keep had to fit into that bag which obviously is very limiting. And so you can't keep nearly as much stuff as you may think you want to keep. But what's interesting is that when I moved out, when I rolled that bag out of my apartment on May the 31st, 2018, I had probably three times or four times as much stuff as I have today. So that was four years ago. Today, this is my apartment. This little, this is for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. I'm showing my little day pack. So I I live from a backpack now. It's not one of those big hiker backpacks, you know, those backpacker backpacks where it's so long, it goes above your head. It's just a little day pack. It's a pack that a kid, a a nine-year-old kid would take to school with them. So that's the kind of backpack that I have. And inside of that backpack is where I keep everything that I have. Now, when I'm on the road teaching, believe it or not, This is my teaching kit. This is the biggest thing in my backpack. It's this big sort of bulky 
I would say it's probably 10 inches by eight inches by four inches. So it's kind of this big bulky thing. And inside of it, I keep a puja kit, which is my meditation altar. (laughs) So I actually carry my meditation altar with me. And then I have my meditation shawl and I have obviously my clothes. I have my toiletries. And then this is my podcast equipment. This is my microphone that I use. It's a, uh, it's called an audio technica. And that's it. This is my whole podcast equipment. So every time I do a podcast, I just fire up Zoom. I have my mic in front of me and I just start talking and that's it. It can be that simple. Okay. And so that's basically how I live day to day. And the idea is to not look like you're living from a backpack. So I hand wash some of my clothes hanging up there. I hand washed those white shirts and I wear those. And I usually stick with white and I stick with dark colored shirts when I'm on the road, because believe it or not, those are the easiest colors to keep clean, white and dark. And that's simply because with white, if something gets dirty or whatever, you can always put a little bleach in it. I actually don't do that very often, but you can do that if you want to get it really white and then dark, like black or dark blue, it conceals any stains if you can't get those out if they're stubborn. And then I also have white shoes. Those are my one pair of shoes. So I've got the white shoes. I've got the white shirts. I hand wash everything. And that means the day that I use it, the day I wear it, I'll come home in the evening and I'll take it off right before I go to bed. And I'll put it in the sink and I will get some shampoo either from the hotel variety or maybe I'll go to the store and buy a little thing of shampoo. And I will run water over the garment and then I will put a little dab of shampoo in there and then I will rub it together. And if there are any stains anywhere, I'll rub those together. And it's surprising how clean you can get a shirt by hand washing. I had no idea before I started doing this. And in fact, it took me a couple of years of being on the road consistently to learn how much more freedom you have when you master the art of hand washing. So the first couple of years, the reason why I had four times as much stuff is because I felt like I needed to have enough clothes to get me through getting to a washing machine, which was about a week's worth of underwear, a week's worth of shirts, a week's worth of pants or shorts or whatever. And yeah, it all kind of fit in to my carry-on bag. But once I started doing the hand-washing thing, I could cut down to just two pairs of underwear. And I could just have three shirts and I could just have one or two pair of pants. And it just, again, it gave me a lot more flexibility and it lightened my load quite literally. Now, that does not mean that every single day of my life, I'm hand washing my clothes. If I'm staying in a place with a washing machine, I'll use the washing machine. But if I'm staying in a place that doesn't have a washing machine, it really doesn't even matter. My clothes will still get just as clean. And when I hand wash them the night before and I hang them up to dry, they're usually dry. They air dry overnight. So by the time I wake up in the morning, they're dry again. And what this means is I could literally, not that this would ever happen because I don't check luggage ever because I carry everything onto the plane and it could literally fit under my seat. But let's say I put it in an overhead compartment and I forgot. Or let's say I, for whatever reason, just hypothetically, I checked the luggage and the airline lost my luggage. 
and all I have are the clothes on my back, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't interrupt anything that I was doing, right? Because I could just hand wash everything that night, which I've done hundreds of times at this point, if not thousands. And I wake up in the morning with completely fresh clothes as if I washed them in a washing machine and a dryer. And I'm kind of like those Amazonian natives. I used to watch these documentaries growing up and they would have these native people walking around with leaves and whatnot for their clothing. And they would just go out into the jungle with a spear and nothing more. And then three days later, they would come back with a whole basket full of fruit and vegetables and all kinds of other goods that they would find and harvest out in the wild. And to them, the jungle was very much like going to the mall, like how we go to the Target or go to the mall to get stuff. That's how they view nature. They go out into the jungle and they find things, they find medicinal plants and other things that you can eat, things that you could use to heal yourself. And then they come back and bring it back to the village and everybody celebrates. I'm basically like that at this point where I could just have the clothes on my back and I can go out into the world. I can travel anywhere and I don't need much. And I can come back with everything that I need and more. And so even if I didn't have this microphone, I could just record on my smartphone. So if you have a smartphone, you have clothes on your back, you could theoretically, I could get by with everything that I have and I wouldn't skip a beat. And again, that's not to say that I don't have a preference to have a little bit more variety in my life. I absolutely do. But I've learned how to do these things very, very minimally. And ironically, I I know when you're first hearing this, it sounds restrictive. It sounds like, wow, that's a lot of energy to have to hand wash your clothes and whatnot. But is it really? When you think about it, it's only for me, when I say I'm hand washing every night, I'm really just hand washing the undergarments. I'm hand washing the underwear, hand washing the t-shirts or the dress shirts that I'm wearing. And I'm hanging those up. I'm not hand washing sweaters, although I could. I'm not hand washing my pants every night, although I technically could, but I will hand wash my pants maybe once every few days if necessary. This is if I'm not sweating profusely in my pants. Obviously, if I'm sweating profusely, I have to wash the the pants more often than that. But if you're in a relatively mild climate where it's not too hot, not too sweaty, then you don't really need to wash your pants all that often as long as you're washing your undergarments. And this is why wearing undergarments is important if you're living this type of lifestyle, because it allows you to be able to re-wear things more often without the need to have to wash them as much. But hand-washing garments is pretty simple, pretty easy. It Literally, I've timed this, and the whole process only takes me about five minutes from start to finish. And starting again is, is just rinsing the garment in water, putting a little shampoo. So the reason why I use shampoo is because I did some research in YouTube to find out what's the best way to clean a garment by hand in a sink. And all of the YouTubers were saying that shampoo is better than just using soap or body wash because shampoo lathers more than body wash. And it's also more conducive to de-oiling something, which are some of the harder stains in clothing are the oil stains. And it's true. 
I've used body wash before when shampoo wasn't available and it does not lather as much. And when you use shampoo, it does lather very beautifully and it gives you this really nice, at least feeling that your clothes are getting cleaner because you're using shampoo on them. And so then you rinse all of that soap and shampoo out of your garment, which only takes you a couple minutes. You may have to rinse it two or three times and then you kind of wring the garment out. So this is a delicate garment. You want to be very careful about how much you wring the garment out by twisting it. And then the secret to, this is really fascinating. The secret to having your garment dry very quickly is you want to roll the garment up into a towel. It could be just a hand towel. But let's say you have a t-shirt. You just washed it by hand. Then you roll it up into one of your towels. And then you wring it out again inside of the towel while it's rolled up. So you just twist the towel that you just rolled up. You twist it, I don't know, maybe 10 times. And you just keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And then you unroll it and you pull the garment out. And by the time you do all that, your garment will be as light as though you had just taken it out of the washing machine. Okay. If you don't do this, your garment is going to retain much more water. And it's going to take twice as long, if not three times as long, to get dry enough for you to wear it. So that will slow down the process. But wringing it out was really the game changer for me because I had sort of half-assed washed some of my clothes before, by necessity, before I even started living this lifestyle. And I didn't go that extra step of wringing the garment out in a towel. And I noticed that the garment took way longer to dry and it just seemed very inefficient. But when I started using this extra drying technique of wringing the garment out in a towel, it only took the garment, the t-shirt, the underwear, whatever, it only took it about four or five hours to dry out completely. So I would hang it up on a coat hanger somewhere in my room, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, seven hours later, and lo and behold, the clothes were dry enough to put on and fresh, right? They smell fresh, they're dry. And so let's say my airline lost my luggage and all I have was clothes on my back. I would take off my clothes before bed. I would hand wash them in the sink, at least the undergarments. I would dry them in the towel. I would hang them up before I went to bed and I would wake up the next morning with fresh clothes ready to go into the day. I would also take a hand cloth or face cloth or whatever from the hotel that I was staying in. And if I didn't have that, I would take a wet wipe if I had one of those. And if I didn't have that, I would just take some tissue and wet the tissue and I would wipe down my white sneakers and they would also look brand new. And the trick to keeping white sneakers looking even newer is you change out the shoestrings. So all you have to do is wipe down your shoes once every couple of days, either with a wet wipe or with a face cloth, a moist face cloth, or with just paper towels or whatever you can use to wipe it down. Sometimes you're in a place where you don't want to get your face cloth dirty like that. So you may not be able to use that, but whatever you can do to wipe it down and then take the old shoestrings out. And you can get new shoestrings at the drugstore. You can go to a shoe store and get new shoestrings. Down in Mexico City, where I spent a lot of time, there are guys that walk around selling shoestrings. So once you start looking for things like that, for shoestrings and whatnot, you'll start to see them everywhere. So whenever you come across somebody selling shoestrings, you know, may only be a couple bucks, 
you want to stop and get yourself a pair or two and just keep them on deck. So for instance, in my backpack right now, somewhere in here, I have a fresh pair of white shoestrings. And that's because those white shoes are the only shoes I have. So I keep a pair of fresh shoestrings on me. It doesn't take up that much space, but it adds so much more to the whole presentation when and if these shoestrings get dirty, muddy because it's raining or whatever the case may be. And I've also washed my own shoestrings, which is something you can do as well. If you don't want to toss things out, then you can obviously wash your shoestrings. But I prefer to just change them out because I actually clip my shoestrings when I'm, I'll show you actually. So those of you listening to this, you may want to go to the YouTube channel and look at the playlist for my podcasts. Just search Light Watkins Podcast and because I'm showing you things here. So these are my shoes. Okay. I haven't rinsed them in a couple of days and it rained a couple of days ago, but look, I actually clip them and I knot them on the inside of the shoes. So that way I don't have to tie them. I can just put them right on and take them right off because I mean, how much time do we spend tying and untying our shoes? And if you think about it, it's really not necessary to do that often. And if you look closely at any photos of me with those white shoes on, You'll always see that they're not tied because I knotted them on the inside just enough so that I can slip my foot in and out without them slipping off as I'm walking around. And you just have to kind of work that out for yourself from trying it out. Because the first time you do that, you may find yourself making them too loose and then you may find yourself making them too tight. But then you'll ultimately find the place where it's just right. And you'll know that for the next time. So so that's why I can't really clean my shoestrings is because they're ruined by the time I clip them. But again, you got to remember, this is my only pair of shoes. So it's not like I'm wearing one pair today and another pair tomorrow and whatnot. I'm, I'm really just wearing these one pair of shoes. And I like the white shoes because you can dress them up and you can dress them down. And we now live at a time and in a society where it's acceptable to wear white shoes to almost any type of event, to formal occasions, to Casual occasions, if you're giving a talk on a stage somewhere, wipe your shoes down, throw in a pair of brand new spick and span white shoestrings, and it looks like you just bought a pair of shoes for the occasion. And it's clean and it's stylish, so you can't really go wrong. And I have leather shoes purposely because leather shoes are easier to keep clean. They're more durable. They're more resistant when it's raining. They stain less often. And yeah, so for all those reasons, it's easier to keep them clean. So that's why it's not arbitrary that I have leather shoes. I personally prefer canvas shoes, but canvas shoes stain too easily. You don't want to be walking around in stained shoes. Now, obviously, there are ways to clean all kinds of fabric. But if you go on YouTube and you look up, how do I keep my shoes clean? uh, And you have canvas shoes. It's a much more involved process. And I want to do less and accomplish more. I don't want to spend all day having to clean my shoes or if you need to go take them into somewhere for a deep cleaning, and there are places that will do a thorough deep clean on your shoes. If that's your only pair of shoes, then what are you going to do? What are you going to wear to walk around in? So it limits you. And that's not the kind of limitation that I want to have, right? Now, at the same time, these shoes have a hole in the sole. Because these are my only pair of shoes and I wear them all the time, 
So there's, there's this hole right here. And if I live in an environment where it rains a lot, that's going to become a problem. So I have two options. I can get that repaired. And I've done that before. I've gotten things like that repaired where you may be out of commission for an hour or two. And they just put a little extra rubber padding underneath it. You can't really get it resold, but at some point you're going to have to replace the shoes. So everything that I have with me in my backpack, I've replaced at some point, except for maybe a couple of things. I still have my original meditation shawl that I had when I first started traveling. And what else do I have? I have a pair of sandals that I don't wear a whole lot. Honestly, I probably should get rid of them because I haven't. And that's becomes the sort of litmus test. If I, if I go months and months and months and I never, don't use something, then I shouldn't be carrying it around with me. That's the situation where, let's say I'm going to go to a beach destination for a couple of weeks, and that would be a, an occasion where I would have worn those sandals. I may just find myself getting some of those Habana flip-flops for those two weeks while I'm there, which will be an expense of maybe 20, 30 bucks. And then at the end of that, I would just leave them behind. I would give them away. I would see who else would like to take them. And so I've done that a lot before, but that way it kind of keeps you light and frees you up. So you don't have to carry these things around with you all the time, but you're only using them every, every blue moon. I consider myself to be less of a nomad and more of a hunter gatherer, which means if I go to a place and it's colder than the clothes that I have, I won't think much about going and getting myself something warmer to wear while I'm there in that place. And then at the end of that, I will give it away. Again, this is if I'm in a place for a significant amount of time. So for instance, I was in New York last February to teach meditation. And New York is kind of hit or miss like that, where you can come on one weekend in February and it's like 50 degrees. But then on another weekend, they'll have a nor'easter and it'd be 10 degrees and crazy. And so I happened to catch New York on one of those weekends where there was this crazy snowstorm. And all I had were my white shoes and I had these little blue chinos that I'm wearing right now, very lightweight chinos. And I have my jacket. I have this like little, it's like a biker fleece jacket. So very lightweight. You can roll it up into a ball and it fits into the backpack as well. And so it was so cold here that what I did was I went to the store and I purchased a pair of wool socks and I got some gloves and there was this other store that was selling thermals, like really thin thermals. So I got some of those thermals to wear underneath the chinos. And so that gave me an extra layer of protection. And look, it was still cold, but it was warm enough for me to do what I came here to do without having to get some big jacket. So then you Hey there, really quickly, have you wanted to find your purpose or be more grateful or start a daily meditation practice, but you're not quite sure where to begin? Well, if inner work is like a drop of water, thehappinessinsiders.com is like your ocean. That's my online community where you can learn real world techniques for cultivating more fulfillment from the inside out. So whether it's learning how to manifest abundance or access your potential 
or overcome fear or even just start walking every day, I've got a blueprint for you, which means you no longer have to use any more shoddy guesswork and you don't have to use the lone wolf approach to improving yourself. For a small accountability fee, you'll get community, you'll get accountability directly from me, and you'll get comprehensive instructions for getting your meditation practice off the ground. And for my podcast listeners, you'll receive 30% off of the all-access pass if you go to thehappinessinsiders.com right now and use the promo code HAPPY. Again, thehappinessinsiders.com. Enter the promo code HAPPY and you'll get 30% off on a yearly all-access pass, which gives you access to dozens of inner work challenges and masterclasses, such as my 108-day meditation challenge, which has an 80% completion rate. Plus, you get to join me live for weekly meditations on Zoom and much, much more. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. The code is HAPPY. All right, back to the episode. layering up and layers become your friend. And I wanted to show you a video of what I'm talking about because it looks crazy when you see it on camera. I actually recorded the day that I got caught out in this crazy, crazy snowstorm and had to go and walk through literally inches of snow in order to get to work. And I had those white shoes on. I have my wool socks on. And actually, I was pretty good with the exception of my face. It was very cold and the snow was going sideways because that's what New York weather does. It always goes sideways, metaphorically, as well as literally. And yeah, so here's a video of me walking through. So now look at the shoes. Go down. And they hadn't plowed the sidewalk. So it was tough to walk to work in those conditions, but that comes with the territory. Again, I would still rather have the freedom of not having a whole lot of stuff and deal with the temporary inconvenience of days like that, which are very, very few far in between versus having a bunch of stuff that I rarely use feeling bogged down by all the stuff that I have and being more comfortable for the 10 minutes or 15 minutes that I had to walk through that. The other thing that makes New York kind of unique is that you're, you're walking and very much immersed in the weather. You're not really having that experience anywhere else in America where it's more of a driving culture and you can drive yourself from point A to point B and park in a garage somewhere right? And then go inside and there's temperature control. So New York is, is, is unique in that sense. And that's one of the things that makes New York charming when the weather is nice, but that's what makes New York a bit hard to live in when the weather is not so nice. And I lived in New York for seven years before moving to Los Angeles. And that was one of my own personal gripes with the city is I got to the point where I had experienced one too many of those snowstorms. And I just got tired of it. I got tired of trekking through the snow or or the sideways rain or that kind of rain that blows your umbrella out. You see, the funny thing about New York is when it rains and it's a rainstorm, you see people's umbrellas scattered all over the street and they're all blown in the opposite direction. (laughs) 
So it's got some very tumultuous weather here in New York City. And that usually exposes whatever limitations you happen to have in your personal lifestyle. So I've committed to not coming to New York again when the weather can be extreme and to only really come to the city when it's more mild. So notice that, notice that decision, right? I have the fortunate decision to create my schedule and to determine when I'm going to be in certain places and not be in other places. And this is something that happened over years of being very intentional and essentially working for myself. And it's all in orbit around this purpose that I've sort of identified for myself, which is to leave the world more inspired through teaching, through speaking, through writing, right? So I'm very clear about that, what my purpose is. And through that purpose, I make choices. And so one of those choices is I'm not going to come to New York and teach again in the winter. So as I'm looking at my 2023, as I'm looking at my 2024, I'm creating my schedule based on where I want to be at which times of year. And that is in alignment with my personal preferences, right? And what you find when you start to become more intentional like that is that everything else just kind of falls into place around whatever your preferences happen to be. And that's one of the ways in which you can find yourself at the right time and at the right place and with the right opportunities is because you know what you need to be fully present. You know what you need to be fully available to your purpose. And if I'm trekking around in snow and rain and all this sleet, then I'm not going to be fully available to my purpose. It's not that I can't do it. Obviously, if I have an opportunity of Oprah or Elon Musk wants to meet with me in Manhattan in February, I'll be there to take the meeting. But short of that, it's going to take a lot for me to get to those kinds of environments because they're just not conducive to where I am right now in my life. And so I would like to optimize my experiences every day on a day-to-day basis. And in order to do that, I need to have certain other things in place. And having this lifestyle affords me the freedom to choose, to pick and choose where I want to be, when I want to be, and not be burdened by, well, you know, who's going to move my car back home and who's going to water my plants and who's going to get the mail and blah, blah, blah. And and I got to make sure the lights come on automatically so people don't think I'm away. And you don't realize how much those kinds of thoughts actually cage you into having to think about and care for this essentially storage room that we live in called houses with bedrooms. And it takes us out of the present moment. We can't be as present. It's not that you can't be present at all. You just can't be as present as you would be otherwise if you didn't have those thoughts. And if you were freely and fully anchored into wherever you are doing whatever it is that you're doing, that in and of itself would allow you to have access to more of your potential, to see more opportunities that are present with you, to make last minute changes and adjustments to your schedule that would allow you to take advantage of some of those opportunities. And especially in your younger years, when you're trying to create something and trying to see what this path and this purpose is all about, you may need a lot more of that flexibility in order to flesh out some of those aspects of your purpose and your path. So that's another benefit to living a more minimalist lifestyle. So one of the things that I encourage people to do, and this is something that I've written about in my next book, which is called Travel Light, it'll be out in April, 
if you're hearing all of this and you find yourself kind of energetically nodding your head or nodding your heart, you're thinking, yeah, 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 I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to try some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I align with that. What I encourage you to do, I don't think you should go out and get rid of anything just yet, right? But you can start practicing doing more with less. You can do that while you still have all your stuff, okay? And all you have to do is you just want to restrict yourself to some of your stuff for some of the time. So here's your homework. If you're down to play along, your homework is I want you to pack up a carry-on bag, okay? So whatever you think you could live with or live from, clothing-wise and otherwise, for the next week, for the next week, so for seven days, or you know what, just to make it really easy, let's call it five days, five days. So it can be five weekdays, it could be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? Whichever five days in a row you choose, you pack up your carry-on bag for those five days. Now, you're not going anywhere. You're still going to be in your house. You're still going to be home, but you're only going to use what you have in your carry-on bag, okay? You're only going to use what you have in your carry-on bag, and you're going to practice hand-washing your clothes for those five days, just five days, not the rest of your life, not for a month, right? Not for six weeks, just five days. And over the course of those five days, you're going to practice being self-sufficient. You're going to be one of those natives going into the jungle, and you're going to see if you can come back out alive, okay? Figuratively speaking, you're going to see if you can survive without all of your stuff, just using some of your stuff. And it's as tempting as it's going to be to use something else that's not in your carry-on bag. I really want you to be intentional about resisting that temptation, okay? And if you can't, fine, you'll practice again the next week. Anyway, keep practicing that five-day stretch. If you can get through the whole five days, then when you feel like running the experiment again, which may be a month later, then maybe you do it for seven days the next time, right? And you work your way up like that incrementally, seven days, nine days, 12, until you get to two weeks, two weeks. And that may take you a year to have an unbroken two-week period of time where you're living exclusively from your small carry-on bag, and you're training yourself to hand wash your clothes. And what this is doing is it's creating a sense of freedom inside of you, a sense of liberation inside of you, so that when you are on your next trip, A, you're not going to take a bunch of crap with you that you're not going to need because you're going to see which items you are frequently including in your carry-on bag. And those items that are not in your carry-on bag, you don't even need to go back and forth with yourself about whether or not you should take them. You've already run the experiment. B, you are not going to be afraid anymore of the airlines losing your luggage. And maybe you don't even check your luggage because everything fits in your carry-on bag that you're going to be taking with you. And that gives you a lot more mobility, a lot more freedom. You can move a lot faster, a lot more flexibility. If your flights change, you can take a later flight or whatever the case may be. 
but you have that much more freedom. And because you have that much more freedom, C, you're more present. You're more present in your life, wherever you find yourself to be. And you're not worried about what hasn't happened, what will happen, what could happen, what should happen. You're just there wherever you are. And that present moment awareness allows you to see opportunities and to have experiences that you would not have otherwise. So even for just those three reasons, it's worth running the experiment at least a few times. Okay. So try it out. You don't need to get anybody's permission, right? No one even has to know that that's what you're doing, but just try it out for yourself. See how long you can make it. See if you can go the whole five days. And if not, don't beat yourself up. You're experimenting, you're practicing, right? You're not expected to get it perfect the first time. So take your time with it. Be easy with yourself. It's a big deal. It's not an easy thing to live exclusively from a backpack. Trust me, I know. And this is the same experiment I intentionally ran in the years leading up to me going nomadic. I didn't just wake up on April the 30th and decide I'm going to turn in my 30-day notice on in 2018 and I'm going to get rid of everything. I had been traveling for five plus years prior to that. And in the few years prior to that, I was doing the same experiment. I was intentionally just taking a carry-on bag because I was only traveling for a week here, two weeks there, that kind of thing, and seeing if I could live from the carry-on bag and which items were commonly placed in the bag and which items weren't. And so from running that experiment hundreds of times, I had a better idea of what I needed once I took the big leap and went fully nomadic. So I'm not telling you to do anything I haven't already done for myself. So it's a very enriching, it's a very rewarding experiment if you're open to doing it. And who knows what other ideas that experiment will unlock in your life if you have that much more freedom and spaciousness inside of yourself because you're not tethered to what you don't have and you can focus only on what you do have. So Again, I've written about this quite extensively in my next book, which will be coming out in April of 2023. I'm super excited for you guys to read this. I give a step-by-step instructions for hand-washing your clothes in this book and finding comfort and discomfort of having limitations and all the things we've been talking about. But you don't need to wait for the book to come out to start running the experiment. I think if you run the experiment now, you'll be more excited about developing more language for it once that book comes out. And I'll keep talking about different aspects of this in my future solo episodes. But yeah, it's a fun experiment. It's something that I actually started doing back in high school. And I've talked about this before, but for those of you who don't remember or haven't heard it, one week in high school, I decided to wear the same clothes every day for that Monday to Friday period. And I remember I chose a purple mock turtleneck, long sleeve shirt cotton shirt and these beige colored parachute pants, which were all the rave back in high school when I was in high school. And yeah, I would wear it. And then I would come home that night and I would wash it. I would machine wash it. And then I would wear it again the next day and the next day. And I have three brothers. Both my parents were in the house. I went to one of the biggest schools in my hometown, Montgomery, Alabama, Sydney Lanier High School, for those of you who are familiar with that area. 3,000 students, right? I was the class president of the school. I was the editor of the yearbook. So it wasn't like I was this kind of anonymous person that no one ever really talked to or spent time around. And guess what? 
no one noticed. No one said a word. If they did notice, they didn't say anything. They didn't give me some weird looks. And, you know, you can tell when people are sort of whispering or gossiping about you. Sometimes I didn't feel any of that happening. Yeah, I was just like existing and having meetings and engaging and interacting with people. And no one said a word. And I I had the type of friends who would have teased me about it had they noticed it, but no one actually noticed it. And it was very, very insightful for me because I realized through that experiment that most people aren't paying attention to what we're doing. And I suspect that the reason why they're not paying attention is because like me before running that experiment, they are overly concerned about what other people are thinking about them and what they're doing. And as I've gotten older, you know, in my adult years, I've confirmed that that's usually what's happening. Most people, <laughs> most people are obsessively thinking about themselves and they're not even paying attention most of the time to what you're doing, to what you're saying. Even if you're right in front of them, they're not really paying attention. Most people are on autopilot most of the time. So when they say, how are you doing? They're expecting a fine. They're expecting I'm good. They're expecting I can't complain. If you say something like, I'm excellent, or I'm fabulous, or I'm fantastic, or I'm grateful, it's a pattern interrupter. And you may notice when you say that, when you answer in that way, even if you take a little pause before you answer, because you're really contemplating that question and you want to answer it honestly, you literally see people in real time snap out of that autopilot just for a moment. And they may look up at you and they may go, you know, really? Or why? Why do you feel that way? So you've just disrupted their sort of autopilot pattern, especially if it's somebody who works in a position where they encounter lots and lots of people on a regular basis, such as a barista or a cashier or an Uber driver or something like that. They say, how are you doing? And you say something that is honest to how you're doing and it's not fine, good, can't complain. You will see it in real time and you'll start to recognize that state, that autopilot state, and when someone is not an autopilot. So one way to get people out of autopilot when you're engaging with them in any capacity is to stop and pause before answering one of their stock questions. Even if you just don't say anything, they'll look at you like, why aren't you saying something? And then you can respond from there, honestly, right? Respond honestly. And then you end up having a more meaningful exchange, which is happening from the present moment, as opposed to something that's happening from the past. So these are other little tricks and tips for stretching out that present moment awareness and making the most of your day. When you think back, right, when you think back to your day, at the end of the day, you think back and go, you know, what was the highlight of my day? I guarantee you, usually the highlight of your day will be those moments where you felt present and you had a meaningful connection with someone. Those are going to be the ones that you remember, the moments that you remember long after they happen. So I have more to say, but again, I'll save it for future solo episodes. I'm looking forward to hearing how your minimalism experiment goes with living from a backpack and reach out to me on social media. Send me a photo, shoot me a DM with your with a photo or tag me. Better yet, tag me on social, on Instagram, at Light Watkins. If you post a photo of living from your backpack and, and detail the experiment for your followers, your community, and that way, maybe you inspire other people. And also use hashtag travel light 
so that I can continue seeing that leading up to my book release, Travel Light. And I look forward to hearing about it. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening to my solo episode about minimalism. We'll put the links to whatever I talked about in the show notes, which you can find at lightwatkins.com slash show. And again, if you decide to run that minimalist experiment that I described in the episode and you document your experience, please make sure to tag me at lightwatkins on Instagram and also hashtag travel light so that I can see how it went. And if this is your first time listening to The Light Watkins Show, it's normally an interview podcast, and we've got an incredible archives of solo episodes as well as other interviews with luminaries such as Ava DuVernay, the director, Saul Williams, the spoken word artist, chef Marcus Samuelson, and many others who share how they found their path and their purpose. You can also search my past interviews by subject matter at lightwatkins.com slash show. You'll see a drop down menu where you can see episodes specifically about people who've taken leaps of faith or people who've overcome financial struggles or people who've navigated health challenges, etc. Also, as I mentioned, you can watch these episodes on my YouTube channel. And this is one of those episodes you definitely want to watch because I show you the backpack. I show you the shoes. I show you some of the other stuff. I show you my podcast equipment, and you can get that by just going to YouTube and searching Light Watkins Podcast. And I also put the raw, unedited version of the podcast inside of my Happiness Insiders online community. Because what you hear on the Apple Podcast and Spotify apps, you hear the edited version. So we edit out all the chit chat with me and the guest before and after the episode and the false starts. But if you're the type of person who likes hearing that kind of stuff, then you can access all of that as well as hearing the episodes a day early in the Happiness Insiders Com. That's thehappinessinsiders.com. And you'll also have access to my 108-day meditation challenge. There's a 108-day movement challenge. There's a 30 days of gratitude challenge. So there's other challenges and masterclasses for becoming a better version of yourself. And for those of you who have yet to leave a review or a rating, that is one way that you can support what we're doing here. And in a meaningful way, by just going to the Apple Podcast app, clicking on the name of the show, scroll down past the seven or eight episodes, and then you'll see a space with five blank stars and a box where you could write something. That's how you leave a rating and review for podcasts. And I suggest leaving a five-star review if you found this information helpful. And if you want to go the extra mile, what you can leave for a review, because sometimes people don't know what to write, I would just say, hey, these are the two episodes I think you should start with as a new listener, because a lot of times people will read through the reviews to see if it's a podcast that they would like. And if you give them a prompt of, hey, start with this episode and then listen to that one, then that would be a great introduction to what we're doing here and hopefully get them on board as a weekly listener. So thank you in advance for that. And otherwise, I look forward to hopefully seeing you back here next week with an interview with someone just like me and you who've taken a leap of faith in the direction of their purpose. And until then, keep trusting your intuition, keep following your heart, and keep taking your leaps of faith. And if no one's told you recently that they believe in you, I believe in you. Thank you very much and have a great day. If you want to get a little extra nudge when it comes to following your heart and taking leaps of faith and believing in yourself each day, 
then you want to sign up for my free daily dose of inspiration email. You'll join 30,000 other subscribers who receive a short inspirational story or anecdote that's meant to inspire you to become the best version of yourself each day. You can sign up at lightwatkins.com and you'll get your first inspirational message as early as tomorrow. Again, just go to lightwatkins.com. You can sign up for free and you'll wake up each morning inspired to be the best version of yourself.